Hello there, my name is Nancy with T-Cell Logic. Welcome to my channel. Today our case is about Phoebe Hanschuk. On December 2nd, 2010, investigators had concluded that Phoebe climbed into the trash chute following 12 stories, which eventually led to her death. At first, it's easy to accept this explanation and move on. But if you take a look at pictures of the chute, you will immediately question whether it really happened the way police say it did. Phoebe was 24 at the time and was very much loved by her family. They were a tight-knit family who supported each other and cared for each other. The news left them devastated. That December 2nd, Phoebe had been drinking and had also taken her prescription medication named Ambien or Stilnox in Australia. This medication is a sleeping aid. She was reportedly alone that night in her apartment at the luxury high-rise, Balancea. She shared this apartment with her on-and-off boyfriend, Anthony Hempfell. Drunk and having taken her prescription medication, Phoebe reportedly went out into the hallway and climbed into the trash chute. She fell 12 stories down, feet first. She survived the 12-story fall. The reason she died is because she bled to death. When falling down the chute, Phoebe's right ankle was nearly severed upon landing with the metal blade of the trash compactor. Police said it was a suicide, but the coroner said her death was a freak accident. Freak accident indeed. Phoebe's family did not believe that Phoebe would climb into a trash chute to end her life, not to mention how it would have been nearly impossible for her to have put herself in there without someone else there to help her climb in. It seems as if someone carried and threw her down the chute, but who? We don't know this for sure, but one can only imagine. Phoebe was born on May 8, 1986 in Melbourne, Australia. She loved being outdoors. She had two younger brothers named Tom and Nikolai. Her father, Len, was a psychiatrist. And I don't know what her mother does for a living, but her name is Natalie. She had a happy childhood and was close with her family. At the age of 15, Phoebe began experimenting with alcohol and other drugs. She put herself in questionable situations and started to show a pattern of falling in love with men who were a lot older than she was. She became involved with a teacher in her area who was almost twice her age. Phoebe would eventually start taking antidepressants. So who was this aunt guy she was dating? Well, aunt comes from a shady place with a shady family. He was 39 years old when he and Phoebe met at Lindley Godfrey Hair Salon in South Yara. He would get his hair cut there. Phoebe was a receptionist. Ant is an events promoter and liked to party and hang out. Let's talk about his family. His dad was a retired Supreme Court judge named George Hampel, and his stepmom is County Court Judge Felicity Hampel. So needless to say, he was very well connected. Just saying. Phoebe's family and friends did not think her and Anne's relationship would last. First, there was the gigantic age difference. And second, they were pretty different from each other. Phoebe enjoyed staying in more than she enjoyed going out and partying. Something Aunt lived for. After all, he was an events promoter. So part of his career involved 
partying. About a year after her and Aunt began dating, Phoebe talked about how Aunt was verbally abusive to her. In fact, in the six weeks before her death, she had left him four times, only to return after Aunt promised things would be different. In fact, Aunt claims that Phoebe was drinking too much and hanging around people he did not approve of, people he called lowlifes. So what happened that evening? And how was Aunt possibly involved? Well, Phoebe and her dad Len had planned to meet up that December 2nd for dinner. We know that she was home for the most part of the day. Balancea had a good CCTV system in place, and CCTV captured her leaving the building with her dog at 11.44 a.m. before coming back in and returning to her apartment. After that, well, no one really knows for sure, besides maybe Anne, of what happened. The CCTV, well, we will discuss that shortly. Ant claims that at 8.15 a.m., he went to the gym in the high-rise and left for work at about 9 a.m. He arrived at his apartment at or a little before 6 p.m. He doesn't remember if the door was locked or not, since he would usually use his key fob to get him inside. When he entered their apartment, he noticed broken glass on the floor and some blood on the computer keyboard and computer and the floor among other places. Ant considered himself a tidy person, while Phoebe, well, he didn't consider her as tidy as he was. He wasn't too surprised to see the mess inside their apartment. He wasn't too surprised to see the mess inside the apartment because of this. There was also a torn up pillow scattered around, which was likely something their dog Yoshi did. He saw that Phoebe's purse, wallet, and keys were on the kitchen counter but Phoebe was nowhere to be found. It was kind of strange that she would have left without her keys because she would not have been able to enter the building or the apartment without her key fob. Her hair straightener was still plugged in, she had some candles on, and she seemed to be writing that evening because there were post-it notes crumbled up around her bed on the floor. Apparently, Anne says the notes made no sense. But I was unable to find out what exactly the notes said. Phoebe's dad, Len, called her on her iPhone. Phoebe had two phones that she carried around, a Nokia and an iPhone. So her dad, Len, called her to see what time she wanted to meet up that night. Aunt answered the call, but hung up. This was at 6.51 p.m. Aunt said that he had never answered the call and never heard her phone ring when her dad, Len, asked him about the call and why he hung up. Len was able to confirm with phone records that he had in fact called Phoebe. His records also show that at 6.52 p.m., Aunt called him asking if he knew where Phoebe was, not because he was returning his call due to a hang-up, but just because he was worried about Phoebe which didn't really make much sense. And why lie about such a thing? When Len spoke with Ant, he explained that the reason he was calling was because they were supposed to meet up for dinner that night to celebrate his birthday and wanted to know what time they were going to meet up. When Ant told Len that she was not there, Len began to worry, especially because the day before, he and a number of other family members and friends had received a strange message from Phoebe. The message said, Hi family, 
I am in bed and about to sleep, and when I wake, I will transform into the most incredible human being you've ever seen. Not. I will go to hospital. It's safer there. And I hear the special tonight is tomato soup. Delicious. Nutritious. I love you all very much, but not enough to send an individual text. Sorry about that. But time is sleep and I must be on my way. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. Hugs and kisses. Phoebe did not usually send those types of messages. It was really odd. Her mother, Natalie, was worried after receiving the message. She received it right before boarding a flight back home. She called her mother, Jeanette, who is Phoebe's grandmother, and asked her to check on Phoebe. Jeanette was extremely close with Phoebe, and she also found the message to be extremely odd. She reached out to Aunt at 10.35 a.m. to ask if Phoebe was okay. Aunt said that when he left home, she was all right. She was sleeping peacefully, that he could definitely stop by the apartment though and check up on her to make sure she was okay. Jeanette asked Aunt if he had seen the message that she had sent out. He said no. After speaking with Aunt, Jeanette called Natalie and informed her that Aunt said Phoebe was fine. Even with Aunt's reassurance, Natalie was still worried and when she arrived in Melbourne, she sent Phoebe a text message asking her to call her as soon as she woke up. When Len and Aunt spoke, Len suggested that Aunt call the police to report Phoebe missing. Len was reluctant to call the police because he said that the police would not do anything until the person had been missing for 48 hours and he was positive that she would return by then. After speaking with Aunt, Len called his son Tom and asked him to call friends who might know where Phoebe could be. Phoebe's mother Natalie had went on about her day. Feeling that Phoebe would eventually show up, Natalie was working on preparations for Nick's 18th birthday party that was supposed to take place on Thursday, the next day. She received a call from Len who asked if she had heard from Phoebe, which she had not. Len called out to a close friend of Phoebe's. His name is Bren. Bren said that the last time he saw Phoebe was Monday night when they went out for drinks. Bren also said that Phoebe was on a wild drinking spree recently. Len did not head over to Phoebe's apartment. He went home, had some tea, and changed his clothes for dinner with Phoebe that night. That evening, Aunt ordered food from the Golden Triangle, which is a coincidence because Phoebe and her father Len were actually going to go to the Golden Triangle because it was one of her favorite restaurants. So it's funny that he ordered takeout from there on the same night that they planned on going there. It's just, you know, a coincidence. When the food arrived, the delivery boy apologized for being late. The delivery boy asked Ant what was going on. Ant didn't know what he was talking about. The delivery person said that there were tons of cops, police cars, ambulance, and that he had to park his bike on the street. He ended by saying that he hoped his food wasn't cold. Police presence at the Balancea was unusual. Ant headed downstairs to see what all the chaos was about. He approached a police officer and asked what was going on. Senior Sergeant Andrew Healy informed Ant that the trash compactor room was a crime scene after having found a woman's body. Ant's response was, Oh no, my girlfriend is missing. Could it be her? He explained that he had been trying to call Phoebe all day and that she was depressed and on medications. He tried finding her after 
after work. He called her family, but also that it was not unusual for her to leave and then show up later. Intrigued, Sergeant Healy asked him to describe his girlfriend and any distinguishing features. Aunt told him that they had matching tattoos. Hers was on her right wrist and that she had an earring on her upper lip area. The sergeant asked if she had any other tattoos on her, like on her stomach. Ant replied yes, and showed the sergeant a picture of Phoebe. At this point, they were inside of Ant's apartment discussing this. The sergeant informed Ant that the woman found matched his description of Phoebe. The detective left Ant in his apartment and went downstairs. When he returned, he returned with another detective and they examined their apartment as a crime scene. Investigators noticed broken glass, blood on the floor, and the cushion that Yoshi had torn up. They looked around the 12th floor for any clues out in the hallway. They found blood on the floor of the refuse room, which is where the trash chute was located. They also found blood on the door handle to the room. Not on the actual chute handle, but on the handle to enter the room that the trash chute is in. Ant then made the phone call to Len and informed him of the terrible news that Phoebe was dead. Who found Phoebe and when? It was a strange day at the Balancea on December 2nd. That morning at about 11.30 a.m., the fire alarm went off and all 23 floors of the building were forced to evacuate. This was not an easy task, especially considering it was a false alarm. Later that day at 6.05 p.m., the fire alarm went off again. It turns out that both alarms had been set off by contractors that were at the building working on the penthouse. The first alarm was set off by heat from their tools and the second because of bad wiring. The fire department had to come shut the alarm off. Beth Ozulup, concierge at the Balancea, would be the one to discover Phoebe when she went into the trash compactor room to get a broom and a dustpan after a tenant had complained that the elevator was full of crumbs. When she went to open the door of the trash compactor room, it would not open. It's as if something were blocking the door from opening. This annoyed Beth, but she had to get the broom and dustpan, so she pushed with her shoulder and the door opened. Automatic lights in the room lit up the gruesome scene inside. She saw what she thought was a mannequin next to a trash bin scattering garbage all over the floor. She would not be surprised if it was a mannequin. People threw all kinds of weird stuff down the trash chute. In her mind, she knew that something wasn't right. There was blood trails on the floor of the room, and that mannequin she thought that she had seen was not a mannequin. It was Phoebe. She took a second glance and realized what she was looking at. She ran out screaming hysterically. The first person she called was her boss, Eric Giamario, to let him know what she witnessed. He arrived at the Balancea shortly after. After speaking with Eric, she dialed triple zero, which is 911 in Australia. Before Beth left for the evening, police asked her not to worry because the girl she found had thrown herself down the chute. She committed suicide. Eric, the manager, was as helpful as one could possibly be. He immediately thought about how helpful the CCTV at Balancea would be. He told the police that they had to act quickly 
and download the footage because they had recently been having trouble with the CCTV system. The machine was recording over the tapes every 48 hours. Eric remembers that the police did not respond to his suggestion. They watched a little bit of footage with him, but they never took action obtaining a copy of the footage. When the police arrived, Beth gave them the keys to the trash room, but refused to go anywhere near it. She was absolutely horrified at her discovery. When investigators entered the trash room, they found Phoebe in a pool of her own blood next to a trash bin that had fallen from the conveyor belt. She had bruising on her arms, which looked like they were from something other than her fall, but she had bruises on her arm. An ambulance was called at about 7.20 p.m., and they arrived less than 10 minutes after being called. One of the paramedics that evening was Christy Cook. When Christy approached the chaotic scene, she noticed a body was visible from outside the room. Police officers guarding the trash room refused to let her in. They claimed it was a crime scene and did not want her to go in and taint the scene. Christy was absolutely furious. This went against everything she learned in her training as a paramedic, but there was nothing she could do. The police were in charge. She observed the body from the doorway and determined that it was a female lying on her back with cuts on her right thigh and hip. Her foot looked injured, and based on how it was positioned, she suspected it was an ankle fracture. Phoebe's body had a bluish tinge to it and did not appear to be alive. Not only was Christy not allowed to provide medical support for Phoebe, no medically trained person was allowed to check on Phoebe that day. No one was able to check and see if she was still warm or if she was still breathing or if there was anything they could do to help her. They didn't even check to see if she was still alive. Interestingly, hours later, the crime scene specialist officially declared the room a crime scene. This was hours later. What investigators concluded was that Phoebe had in fact survived her fall in the shoot. What likely happened is that after making it down the chute, the blade of the trash compactor, which was set to automatically turn on, had all but severed her right ankle. Then she fell into the trash bin onto the floor. She bled out while crawling around the dark room looking for a way out. They estimated that Phoebe entered the chute between the hours of 12.03 p.m. and 7 p.m. The shoe itself is incredibly small. One glance at this shoe would discredit any theories the police had, in my opinion. The shoe, small and narrow, measured 4.5 by 8.6 inches. Now, don't get me wrong, Phoebe was a tiny, tiny lady, so naturally, she fit in the shoe. The coroner concluded that she had fallen with both hands by her side. Phoebe's blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit and she had Zolpidem and Stilnox in her system. Police failed to gather or examine some really important pieces of evidence. For example, they left Ant alone in the apartment two different times. They failed to examine her two phones and her laptop. When Phoebe's family retrieved her laptop, all of her emails had been deleted. They were never able to recover the Nokia phone. Her iPhone was taken to the repair shop by Ant recently. His father went to go pick it up from the repair shop shortly after. I'm not sure why he picked it up and why Ant didn't pick it up or why she wouldn't have taken her phone to the repair shop herself, but, but that happened. There were two glasses of wine in the apartment which were not dusted for fingerprints and at one point, 
aunt mentioned that Phoebe had probably went to the shoe to dispose of broken glass. That glass was never found in the trash compactor room or in any of the trash bins. The biggest mystery of all, though, is why the police ignored collecting the CCTV footage and they did not look into how or if Phoebe could have fallen down the chute by herself. Phoebe's family was furious, especially after finding out that they could not recover any of Phoebe's belongings because Aunt had already been assigned as her power of attorney. Even though they were not married and dated on and off sporadically, he was able to get power of attorney because he lived with her. They also could not decide what to do with Phoebe's remains. That was something only Aunt could do. They found this unbelievable, that he would go out and name himself her power of attorney and executor of her estate, and they could not. Aunt's strange behavior and the strange circumstances have led Phoebe's family and many, many others to believe that her death was not an accident, but that she was murdered by Aunt or someone linked to him, and that Aunt used his father's connections to cover up the murder. Phoebe's mother, Natalie, raised $50,000 on her own, and in 2013, a full analysis into Phoebe's death took place. The $50,000 was used to cover the legal costs associated with this analysis. Sadly, the investigation went in Aunt Hanthel's favor, concluding that there was no foul play. They were unable to take Phoebe's case to the Supreme Court because they unfortunately ran out of money. Phoebe's grandfather, Lauren Campbell, is a retired police detective, and immediately when he heard of his granddaughter's death, he thought that she'd been murdered right from the start. Mr. Campbell also noted that the police failed to investigate the large boot prints leading from apartment 1201. Mr. Campbell believed that Phoebe's murder may have had something to do with drugs. Mr. Campbell took matters into his own hands, and he tried recreating the climb itself, with a replica of the trash chute and one of Phoebe's friends as a test subject. She was sober and she was athletic and she was exactly Phoebe's size. They found it extremely difficult. Mr. Campbell said, one of the major problems apart from the dimension is that the door comes up against your lower back and jams you in. So trying to maneuver yourself is then not helped by the fact that there is nothing to grip onto. Whatever Phoebe had in her system at the time would have made it even more difficult for her to maneuver herself inside that chute, which she wouldn't have even been able to do because she'd fallen with her hands on the side of her body. Phoebe's death remains classified as an accident, an unlikely freak accident, something we hope one day will change. In another Another bizarre twist, Aunt Hampel had another one of his girlfriends die in 2018. 25-year-old Bailey Schneider died with a gold cord wrapped around her neck, and this happened hours after the two had broken up. Her family were the ones who discovered her, and her death was ruled a suicide by asphyxiation. Her parents insist this is impossible. Hampel remains free. He moved out of Balancea and went on to get married, as if nothing had happened. True Crimesters, what do you think? Do you think Phoebe's death was an accident? Did she commit suicide? Or was it a murder? Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your opinion. And that does it for today. Thank you for joining me. I hope you have a wonderful day and stay safe.